How many of you are glad that God just loves us? Amen. I don't think we can sing that enough. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. Look past all of our mess and said, I love you. And then he demonstrated that love on Calvary's cross. Amen. As always, it's so good to see you in God's house this evening. I'd rather preach to a congregation than to an empty church. So I'm thankful that you're here this evening. The title of my message this evening is The Problem with Pride. Over the last several weeks, doing, during our, uh, even during our recent study, uh, the Lord's been speaking to me about pride and humility. He's been speaking to me about crucifying the flesh and stripping off all those weights that can so easily beset us and keep us from running that race. And he's been preaching that sermon to me, and I feel like it's something that we can all afford to hear. Amen? Uh, the reality is, uh, pride is the single greatest obstacle to us developing the character of Christ in our life. Uh, pride is the antithesis of, of Jesus Christ and godliness and holiness and all of those things that uh, are, are called God or, or godly. And the reality is, pride, if left room to roam in our life, has the power to destroy us and to bring us down. The truth is, there is a problem with pride, especially if it's in our lives. And that's the word that the Holy Spirit wants to bring to us this evening. I don't know if I'm going to finish it tonight. I might go into next week, but I know over the next few weeks, pride and humility is what God has put on my heart. Because without it, we cannot be godly. I know we've been in this pursuit of godliness, and the Lord has just shared that and put it on my heart. And before I go any further, I just ask that, uh, that we pray together one more time and ask God to just humble our hearts, allow us to receive these words tonight uh, so that they can be beneficial to us. Amen. Father God, I just thank you for your Holy Spirit, which is in this house tonight. I thank you, Father God, that you love us enough to take time to speak into our lives the things that we need to hear, the things, Father God, that will bless us and make us more like you, the things, Father God, that we might have to learn that can open up your blessings into our life, that we might experience your power and your glory and your anointing. Give us the, the courage, Father God, to hear difficult things and hard sayings, Father God, that that we can apply to our lives. So I just pray tonight for your anointing to be upon me, to bring forth the word that you've sown into my heart. And I pray, Father, that it would come forth with clarity, with understanding, that you would come against every hindering spirit, distracting spirit, any stubborn spirit that refuses to receive, Lord God, just like I had to yield my spirit to receive this word, that your people would yield them their spirits as well, so that you would be glorified and not ourselves, God. So be in our midst, Father God. Accept our, our, our spirits as we offer them to you this evening. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. One of the biggest problems that I see with pride and that Scripture actually outlines in pride is the fact that it focuses on self and not on God. Uh, pride exalts itself and doesn't exalt God. Pride boasts in itself and doesn't boast in God. Pride depends on itself and doesn't depend on God. Pride in, in all 
forms and fashions is self-sufficient and not God-dependent. And that's one of the biggest problems with pride. Pride says, I don't need you, God. But how many of of us know we need God? We desperately need God. We need God more today than we did yesterday. We'll need Him more tomorrow than we did today. But the reality is, pride makes room for self, but it doesn't make room for God. And that's one of the biggest problems with pride. The, the, The problem with pride, church, is that it is all about me. It's all about me, myself, and I. You see, if you look at the word pride, and I, you know, you all probably know that, but if you look at the word pride, I stands right in the middle of it. And that's the biggest problem with pride is that we are right in the middle of it. If you took yourself out of pride, you wouldn't be left with, with, with pride. But the reality is the biggest problem with pride is that we often find ourselves right in the middle of it. One of the problems with pride, and that's really what I'm going to focus on all night, is just letting you know the characteristics of pride and how pride reveals itself and what pride is all about. And next week I might delve a little bit further into it, but pride makes itself an idol. And in that process, it makes itself an enemy of God. I hope we understand this evening that pride is the enemy of God, and I'm going to show you that in the Word of God. As a matter of fact, 1 Peter 5, 5 says that God opposes the proud. The reality is God sets himself against the proud. The reality is uh, he is literally the enemy of pride. The Bible tells us in, in various verses throughout Scripture that God closes His hand to the proud and He shuts the heavens on the proud. And I want us to understand that one of the number one reasons our prayers are not answered is this ugly thing called pride. Because James tells us that the proud will ask and the proud will call out to God, but God will not give them what they want. You see, the reality is God opposes the proud. He sets himself against the proud. He doesn't listen to the cries of the proud. He doesn't listen to the the prayers of the proud. The Bible says God gives grace to the humble. It says that he gives unmerited favor to the humble. God lifts up the humble. He gives the earth to the humble. He gives ear to their cries and to their petitions. But God sets himself against the humble. If you study all this, you'll find out that God actually wages war against the proud. God wages war against this thing called pride, church, and He Himself will bring the proud down. You see, there's a lot of things in life that God will allow to happen just to teach us a lesson. But I want you to understand there's a difference of God allowing something to happen and God Himself stepping in and making something happen. And when it comes to this ugly thing called pride, God says, I myself will humble the proud. I myself will step in and I will bring them down from their lofty towers because pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a great fall church. Pride is the ultimate enemy of the cross of Jesus Christ. What you and I need to understand is that pride will not deny itself. Pride will not take second seat. Pride will not take second breast. Pride will not step aside so someone else can receive the glory and someone else can receive the honor and someone else can receive the praise. Uh, I want you to understand that pride does not seek anyone else's interest, it seeks its own. Pride will never empty itself. 
it fills itself up with more pride and more arrogance and more vainglory. I want you to understand that pride will not pour itself out for anyone else and not even for God. And the reality is even in the house of God, please understand this, when God speaks about pride, 99% of the time He's preaching to the church. 99% of the time when God speaks about pride, He is speaking to the individual that says, I am a saint. But God says, listen to me, there's something about your spirit that is not a reflection of Jesus Christ. And it's this ugly thing called pride. Pride will not pour itself out or empty itself like Jesus Christ did on the cross for anyone else, let alone God. You see, it's one thing to pour yourself out for someone else. It's another thing to pour yourself out for God. And if you're not willing to pour yourself out for God, you're never going to pour yourself out for anyone else. But Jesus did that, church. And I'm going to talk about that in the coming weeks when we speak on humility. And I'm not going to get all into that tonight. But I want you to understand that pride will not carry a cross. Pride will not bear someone else's burden. Pride won't do what Jesus did, and it certainly won't follow Jesus Christ, because pride seeks its own glory. Pride seeks to do what's right in its own eyes, and pride will walk in its own ways. Pride doesn't, pride doesn't care what God thinks or anyone else thinks. Pride will not do the will of God, church. We need to understand the difference between pride and humility. God opposes the proud church. God sets himself against the proud because pride won't do those things that I talked about. The very things that God has called us to do, the very things that should be a reflection of someone who calls themselves a Christian, pride will not allow them to do those things. And it's why God sets himself against the proud. It's why he wages war against the proud. It's why he actually oppresses, the Bible says, the proud. Because pride doesn't look anything like Jesus Christ. And it certainly doesn't look like the cross. When we hear about Sodom, you know the story about Sodom and Gomorrah, and I don't need to preach it, but when we hear about Sodom, we think that it was sexual perversion and immorality that, that destroyed that city. And we think that it was sexual perversion and immorality that caused the fire of God to fall down from heaven. But if you actually read the Word of God, Ezekiel 16:49 says, this was, the, this was the iniquity and the sin of thy sister Sodom. It was pride and haughtiness. That's what destroyed the city. You see, the reality is every other sin that was mentioned about that city was birthed out of pride. And every sin that, that takes place in our life is birthed out of this sin called pride. The reality is when you read that passage of Scripture, it actually doesn't even mention homosexuality. It mentions pride because pride is the mother of all sins. Pride is what gives birth to murder. Pride is what gives birth to covetousness. Pride is what gives birth to quarreling and anger and strife and envy. Pride is what gives birth to all of, all of the other sins that I could mention and name to you tonight. Pride is the mother of all sins. And it's why God despises it. It's why God wages war against it. It's why He sets Himself against it, church. It's why the Bible says pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a great fall. Listen, pride is what destroyed Sodom and it will destroy us as well if we don't deal with it, if we allow pride to reside in our heart, if we don't deal with the flesh. If we don't deal with this sin called pride, we will find ourselves falling from high places. 
You see, the reality is, if, every, if, everything that you, if everything you have acquired and attained in life, if all the great achievements and accomplishments you have in life, if you have not attributed every single one of them to God, if you have not attributed every single good thing you have in your life to God, because all good things come from God, I want you to understand you will fall from that place, and you will fall real hard, because I want you to understand pride robs from God. God and takes from God what belongs to God and not pride. The problem with pride, like I said, is that it's all about me, me, me. That's why on my first slide, and that's why you see there, the problem with pride is me. The problem with pride is me. It's me. It's me. I'm not talking about you. I want you to understand the problem with pride is me. It's me, myself, and I. It's when I, I get in the way, when I decide to rise up, when I want my way, when I stomp my feet, when I have a little hissy fit, when I have a little temper tantrum, when I want things my way. I'm the problem, church. It's me, me, myself, and I. It's this ugly flesh that's the problem. And God reminds us in His Scripture that, that, that pride and haughtiness and arrogance can't stand in my presence, and I can't stand it either. We have to understand that, church. The problem with pride is that it steals from God glory and honor and praise, and it keeps it for itself. You see, pride wants God's glory hoisted upon itself. Pride wants God's praise lavished upon itself. Pride wants God's honor uh, d- uh, uh, directed at itself instead of towards God. You see, pride forgets that Mark ten eighteen says that the only good in me is God. Pride forgets that Jesus himself said to the congregation, why do you call me good? There's only one that's good, and it's my Father. You see, I want you to understand that Jesus came for one reason and one reason only was to glorify His Father and not Himself. It's why He humbled Himself. It's why He emptied Himself. It's why He poured Himself out. And I'll teach that when we get to humility. But I want you to understand, church, that pride is the exact opposite of humility. Pride thinks that it did this great thing, and it did that great thing, and I accomplished this, and I accomplished that. And it fails to realize that the only reason there's any good in it is because of God. You see, when anyone, when anyone boasts on me, and you come to me and you tell me how great my message was or how my service is, I would prefer you say, God delivered a great message tonight. I want you to understand, and I'll say it to you, look, I don't mind you saying, yes, that was a good word. Sometimes we need that encouragement, but I want you to know the first thing I do, it's because of God. Because anything good you see in me is is because of God. Because if God wasn't in me, I'd be a mess. Because if God wasn't in me, I'd be a loser. If God wasn't in me, I'd be living in sin. If God wasn't in me, I'd be a liar and a cheat and a thief and a stealer and adulteress. If God wasn't in me, I'd be ugly as darkness, church. It is only because of the goodness of God that you see anything good in me. You see, but pride doesn't recognize that. Pride says, yeah, tell me another good thing, and tell me another good thing, and pat me a little harder, and clap a little louder, and tell me how good I am. Pride gets mad when it's not recognized. Pride pouts and sulks when it isn't congratulated for a job well done. I want you to understand that pride turns the heart of God 
And it turns the ear of God as well. Listen, if you're looking for a clap, if you're looking for a word of praise, if you're looking to be exalted to a place you don't belong, you got some pride in your life and you got to deal with it. I'm not saying, look, I'm not saying at all that we can't encourage one another and build one another up. I'm not saying that at all. But I hope we understand there's a difference between that and vain glory. We all hope we understand there's a difference between that. They look different, church. They sound different. They act different. They live and behave different. I want you to understand if you truly have the Spirit of God in you, you can recognize pride as soon as it talks. You can recognize pride as soon as it, it acts. You can recognize it. Because there is such a contrast between humility and pride, between the Spirit of God and this ugly thing called flesh. And this is what the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us, that there is a problem with pride. Pride steals from God what belongs to God. And don't tell me that God won't wage war against a thief. Don't tell me God won't wage war against someone who steals his own glory. The first words that came out of his mouth was, I am the Lord thy God, and thou shalt have no other gods before me, including me, myself, and I, including this ugly spirit called pride, and he will wage war against anyone that raises itself above him, including you and me, church, including this ugly thing called pride. Pride says this, I must increase. I must enlarge myself. I must magnify myself. I must increase my personal territory. I must increase. But you know what humility says? It says, I must decrease so that he might increase. You see, pride never has its eye on God. It always has its eye on itself. Humility is always focused on the Father, just like Jesus Christ did. It's why he said, listen, I don't speak my own words. I only do what my Father tells me to do, because I'm not filled with pride. Jesus was able to say that. I, I, I only go where my Father bids me to go, because I, I don't want to be a prideful man. He said, I don't do anything unless my father to tell me to do it. And I wonder, good Lord, what our lives would be like if we could be that. I won't speak a word unless the Holy Spirit has ordered it and seasoned it. I won't do anything until the Holy Spirit has prodded me, pushed me, or given me the authority to do it. I won't go anywhere unless the Holy Spirit has prepared the way. And you understand what I'm saying, church? But the proud won't do that. The proud lean on to their own understanding. The proud do what's right in their own eyes, and they could care less what God thinks. And so often, church, even unbeknownst, that's us. So often we're that proud person. And we have to decrease so that God might increase. It's exactly why Paul said in Galatians 2.20, It's no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives within me. Because Paul knew that God and flesh could not stand or dwell together. Because pride and humility don't come in the same package. Because bitter and sweet wine don't flow from the same vessel, the Bible tells us. Because Psalms 5.5 says that pride and arrogance cannot stand in the presence of God. You see, pride and humility can't take up the same square footage. 
They can't stand in the same place. And God said, not me, God said, pride cannot stand in my presence. Why? Because I cannot stand pride. Can't stand it. See, the truth is I could spend all night sharing all the problems with pride, but the number one problem with pride is this. It looks nothing like Jesus Christ. It looks nothing like the cross that, uh, that Christ hung on. Pride actually, according to the Word of God, makes us look like Lucifer, who exalted himself above God. Now, I don't know about you, church, but I want to look like Jesus. I don't want to look like Lucifer. The sad reality is, and the sad commentary is, there's been plenty of times in my life where I've looked a lot like Lucifer and not like Jesus. I've talked a lot like Lucifer and not like Jesus. I've acted a lot like Lucifer and not like Jesus. But God said, listen, if I want to attain this thing called godliness, then I've got to put off pride. I've got to put off those things, church. That's the number one problem with pride is because it does not look like Christ. It looks like Lucifer, the one who tried to rob from God all of his glory and all of the honor and all of the praise and put it upon himself. You know the story. It's exactly what Lucifer tried to do. He tried to take what belonged to God and put it on himself. It's what pride does, church. He robbed from God. Lucifer, according to the Word of God, is the prince of pride. Lucifer, who was the worship leader in heaven, if you don't know that, Lucifer was the, uh, the, the, the highest angel in charge of heaven's choir. The, the Bible tells us that he was called the anointed cherub. The Bible tells us that he was called the morning star, that he was the one set apart for divine purposes. And the reality is the one who was to ascribe all of the glory and all of the praise and all of the honor and all of the power to, G to God ascribed it to himself instead. He was the choir leader that was to lead the host of heaven in ascribing to God glory and honor and power and praise. And he stepped in and said, I want some of that myself. I think I deserve it. God wouldn't have put me in such a high role if I didn't deserve some kind of glory and some kind of praise and some kind of... I, I'm the choir leader. I deserve some of that glory. I deserve some of that praise. And the reality is, his pride led to destruction. And the Bible says he was cast down because of it. You want to know what we deserve? We deserve hell. We deserve condemnation. We deserve judgment and wrath. We deserve the wrath of God on our life. But because of Jesus Christ, He offered us mercy and grace instead. The pride, prideful forgets that. The humble remember it every day of their life. The humble remember that if it was not for God, there but for the grace of God go I. They look at someone that's lost. They look at someone that's fallen. They look at someone that's hurt. And instead of kicking them while they're down, instead of mocking them and judging them and ridiculing them, they are willing to say, there but for the grace of God go I. God, if it wasn't for you, if it wasn't for your staying power, if it wasn't for your Holy Ghost, if it wasn't for your mercy and grace, if it wasn't for you speaking to me in the middle of the night, if it wasn't for you intervening in the middle of my situation or stopping me before I entered into temptation, if it was not for you, God, that would be me 
So let me have the same mercy on them and the same grace on them that you had on me. That is a reflection of heaven. That is a reflection of the Father. But the proud stands in the front of the sanctuary and says, Oh God, I thank you that I'm not like that man back there. I thank you that I've washed my robes, that I'm all white and pure, that I look all good and holy. I thank you that I'm not like that one that's fallen. But God said, this man up front that was full of pride and arrogance and haughtiness, I did not justify and will not receive. But the one that bent himself low and humbled himself and cried out and said, Have mercy on me, O God! That man left justified. And this man wallowed in his own vain glory. And please understand me, that's the only reward that man will ever receive. That's the only applaud that man will ever receive is his. God said it, not me. That was his reward. It's like the man who who shows everybody how much tithe he's paying, the Scripture says. And man applauds. Oh, yeah, that's a, well, good thing. God said, guess what? That's the only applaud that man's going to get. But the one that has a humble heart... The one that that understands that everything you are and everything you have is only because of my grace. That man will be exalted. I'll talk about that in the weeks to come, church. But pride makes us look like Lucifer, church. As a matter of fact, 2 Thessalonians 2.4 says that pride is the mark of Lucifer. And it says this about him. He is the one who opposes God and exalts him over everything that is called God, proclaiming himself to be God. That's Lucifer. That's the Antichrist. That's the devil. That's the spirit of pride. It exalts itself above everything godly. Exalts itself above the word of God, the authority of God, the man of God, the preacher of God, the teacher of God. It it exalts itself above all of those things and lives the way it wants to live. It believes that it actually can live the way it wants and still receive some sort of blessing because of how great it is. It gets lost and deceived by its own pride, church. And a lot of us have been there. We're so proud of our accomplishments. We're so proud of what we've done. Listen, it's what happens in the pulpit all across this nation. There are men of God that have done great things in ministry. Men of God that accomplished great and mighty things only under the blessing of God and because of the grace of God. But they get so caught up in their own greatness. They get so caught up in their own accomplishments and their own, and they forget who got them there. And God says, guess what? It's time for the proud man to fall. And he knocks him over. Trust me, none of us, church, are exempt from that. God will knock over the proud. Pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a great fall. That's the problem with pride, church. It wants what belongs to God or others. Pride exalts itself. It sets itself above God. It sets itself above God's authority and certainly above others like the the Pharisee did with the publican. Pride has the tendency to think because I drive a nicer car, I'm a better person. Pride has the tendency to think, well, because I got nicer clothes, I'm a better person. Because I make more money, I'm a better person. Because I got a better education, I'm a better person. The reality is all of that's a lie. I'm glad that you all have all that. I'm glad that God allows us to acquire all that. But it doesn't make you a better person. The only thing that makes you good is God. And we can't forget it. 
The only reason you got some letters on the end of your name is because of God. The only reason you're educated is because of God. The only reason you had money to go to college is because of God. The only reason you got a job and a corner office and a name plate on the wall is because of God. The only reason you drive a set of wheels is because of God. The only reason you got clothes on your back and food on your table and a spouse to love or children to raise is because of God. Pride forgets that, church. And it boasts on itself, and, and if no one else will applaud it, it claps for itself secretly. It has its own congratulations party. Well, no one recognized me today, so I'll go recognize myself. And, they, and pride, I'm telling you, pride spoils itself. It'll go out and reward itself. I deserve this. I deserve that. You understand what I'm saying? If you ever find yourself saying that, you better squash that spirit of pride because it's going to lead to some trouble. I deserve that. I did a good job. You understand what I'm saying, church? And what God and the Holy Spirit are saying, please be careful with pride. There's a problem with pride. It will lead to your destruction. It will lead to your devastation. And it doesn't look anything like my son, Jesus Christ. When God looks at us, he wants to see a reflection of his son, Jesus, who was a humble man, who even though he came in the form of God, did not count equality with God, something to be grasped, but he emptied himself, the Bible says. And I'll talk about that when we get into humility, but pride won't do that, church. Listen. Isaiah describes the pride of Lucifer in chapter 14, verse 13, when it says, O Lucifer, you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. I, I, I. Five times. In the same passage, Lucifer said, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. You tell me that that's not evil. Tell me that's not sinful. Tell me that's not the antithesis of Jesus Christ who said, not my will, but thy will be done. Not my will. You see, pride says, my will. Humility says, thy will. Pride says, I want this. Humility says, God, do you want me to have this? Please understand the difference, church. We have to learn how we are supposed to operate as children of God. The problem with pride, like I said, it says, my will be done instead of God's. And it will do everything it can to sit on the seat of glory. Pride will do everything it can to sit on a seat of glory. Please understand this. Pride will roll over whoever it has to. Pride will crush whoever it has to. Pride will throw whoever it has to under the bus. Pride will make lies and and, and besmirch characters of other individuals just so pride can sit on a seat of glory. So that pride can be recognized. And wear a crown that belongs to someone else. There was only one individual that deserved deserved to sit on the right hand of the Father, and that was the Son. And Lucifer thought he had the right to sit there. 
Lucifer thought he had the right, and so often we think we have the right to sit in places we don't belong. We think we have the right to exalt ourselves to levels that we haven't earned, just like Lucifer did. We should be happy and content with where God has us in life, church, and trust that He will move us along as He decides to move us on. Listen, as difficult as it might be for us to accept, pride makes us a friend of Satan and an enemy of God instead. As a matter of fact, pride hates the cross. Pride despises the cross. Pride refuses, like I said, to carry the cross. It doesn't even want to come near to the cross because the closer pride gets to the cross, the more of its evil intentions are revealed. The, the closer pride gets to the Spirit of God, the more uncomfortable it becomes because it has to be dealt with. So it'll stay as far away from the cross as it can. And it's exactly why God sets himself against the proud, because the pride actually set them, the proud actually set themselves against the cross. Because pride wants to be worshipped over God. It wants to be exalted over God. It wants to be praised and pleased, like I said, over God, and walk in its own ways instead of God's ways. Please understand, pride leaves out God. That's one of the biggest problems with pride. It leaves out God. It doesn't seek God's wisdom. It doesn't seek God's counsel. It doesn't seek God's advice. It doesn't seek God's direction. It doesn't seek God's blessing. It doesn't seek God's honor. It doesn't seek God's glory. It seeks all of those things for itself. Listen, pride makes you a hearer only and not a doer of the word. Understand pride will keep you from doing the will of the Father. Because pride won't even ask the will of the Father. You understand what I'm talking about? If you've got, if you find yourself having, if it's difficult for you to do the will of the Father, I'm not saying this to condemn you, but you got a pride problem. If it's difficult for you to do what God asks you to do, you got a pride problem. If you got, if you've got a real difficulty getting into the Word of God, you got a pride problem. If you have difficulty communicating in prayer with the Father, you really have a pride problem. Understand, because the lack of this, when you don't read this, you say, God, I don't need this. When you don't pray, you say, God, I don't need to pray. I can do it on my own. I know enough on my own. I got enough influence. I got enough affluence. I got enough strength. I got enough physical power. I got enough intellect. I got enough PhDs. I got enough education. I got enough friends. I got, you understand? I got enough. I don't need you, God. I don't need you telling me what to do. I don't need you telling me how to succeed. I don't need you telling me who to marry and who to date and, and who to walk away from. I don't need you, God. I got it all together. That's pride, church. Pride leaves God out. Pride takes God out of the equation, church. What you and I need to understand is that pride sets itself above the Word of God and the authority of God in its life and thinks it can do it all on its own. Pride looks like Lucifer, like I said, and not like Jesus, who even though he came in the form of God, and I know I already said it, didn't count equality with God, but something to be grasped. Listen, he surrendered every legitimate right he had. Jesus surrendered every legitimate, not false, every legitimate right as the Son of God, as the pure and spotless Lamb, as the one who had no guilt within him, even according to, to Pilate. Pure and spotless. 
He had every right to glorify himself, every right to exalt himself, every right to establish himself on a throne. But he humbled himself instead, church. He brought glory to the Father by making himself nothing. And I hope we realize that God despises pride because it's why Jesus died. Jesus died because of man's pride. And it's why God despises it, because it cost, it cost God His only begotten Son. Pride was the reason that God had to send Jesus down on earth to reconnect them with the Father. And it's why God despises pride. Listen, tell me how much you would despise the individual that took your son or took your daughter. Tell me, tell me how every ounce of anything Christian within you would, 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 would not be enough to keep you from wanting to kill that individual. Waging war against that individual. Setting yourself against that individual. Nothing could hold you back except the grace of God. And this is what you need to understand. It's why God despises pride so much. It cost Jesus His life. It's what sent Him to the cross. And every time He sees pride, He sees Lucifer. Every time He sees pride... He sees that crowd that said, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Give us Barabbas instead. That's who he sees. He doesn't see all this fancy stuff we see. He doesn't see the PhDs and he don't see the three-piece suit and he don't see the shiny shoes and he don't see the bling you got around your neck. He don't see the size of your bank account. When we don't act like Jesus, he sees Lucifer. That's what he sees. And that's why we have to understand that there is a problem with pride. Because it deflects the glory of Jesus Christ and it hoards it for itself, church. Proverbs 6.16 actually shows us God's feeling toward pride when it says this. Six things God hates. And then he stops in the middle of that and says, no, actually, there's seven things that he despises and detests. And the first one of them all is this ugly thing called pride. Of all of them. I want you to understand that pride is at the top of God's hate list. And it has never been removed. You see, this word has been done, spoken, finished. It, it, God don't change his mind. You understand what I'm saying? If it was on, his top, if it was on the top of his hate list 2,000 years ago... It's still on the top of his hate list today. God hates pride. God hates a haughty spirit. God hates the flesh and he hates selfishness. Why? Because it cost his son his life. Because it's not a reflection of Jesus Christ. Because it does not reflect the culture of the kingdom of God. But it reflects the culture of this earth. And what does God's word say? It says, do not be conformed to the culture of this earth. But be thou transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you might be able to prove something. Prove what? Prove the will of the Father. Well, listen, the pride man can't prove nothing about God. The proud man can't prove any power from heaven. You have to understand it's what God is teaching us here, church, that he detests. He detests and despises pride because it doesn't look like his son, Jesus Christ, who he has called us to be a reflection of. Do you all understand that, church, that you and I are supposed to be a reflection of the Father? What do you think the term Christian means? It means Christ-like. It means like Christ. 
Well, if we want to be like Christ, we certainly can't have pride in our life. If we want to be godly, we certainly can't have this ungodly thing called pride in our life. And it's what God is trying to deal with. 1 John 2.16 tells us that everything in this world is built upon pride. It says pride is not of the Father, but it's of this world, the Bible says. And anyone, the Scripture also says, who is a friend of this world makes themselves an enemy of God. Makes themselves an enemy of God. That's a, that's a bold statement. But what you and I need to understand is that this world is built on pride. The, the one that was cast out of heaven, the morning star who became the prince of darkness, he is also the prince of pride. He is the ruler of this earth, the Bible says. And everything in this world is built on pride. Everything. All the negative things you see in this world are built upon pride. Everything. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the prides of life, the Bible says. And none of those things are from the Father, the Bible says. They are of the devil. They are from Lucifer. We cannot afford to forget that. James 4.4 4 says, don't you understand? He's speaking to the church again. Don't you understand? Don't you get it? Don't you grasp it? Don't you realize friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God, he says. It actually says friendship with the world is enmity. I mean, when I say that friendship with the world makes us an enemy of God, that waters down actually what it means. It says friendship with the world is enmity with God. And what enmity means is actually a, it's actually an intense Violent hatred towards God. Friendship with the world is an intense, violent hatred towards God. And again, why do you think God wages war against the proud? Because the proud make themselves. God doesn't make us His enemies. We make ourselves an enemy of God. When we choose to live a life filled with pride. And the way God deals with pride, like He deals with every other sin, is He will bring it down. This is what we have to understand. We, we act like, oh, you know, God's such a loving God, He'll let me do whatever He wants to do. No, He won't. He's not going to deny His Word. He said pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a great fall. And if you want to go off and live all prideful, don't come crying when you fall. It's like I tell my kids not to do something. And as a father, I mean, I'm only trying to teach them something, and I don't really mean it because I know they're going to come. But when they go to do something that I don't want them to do, occasionally I'll find myself saying, well, don't come crying to me when you fall. Don't come crying to me when you hurt yourself doing what I've told you not to do. And yet we do that with God. He tells us not what to do. tells us to get pride out of our life. He, he, he prods us and he, he prompts us and he says, get rid of this flesh. Get rid of this pride. Stop exalting yourself. Start being a doer of my word. Start getting into my word. Start including me in your life. And then when we fall, we go blame him. Oh God, you don't love me. You don't care about me. Yes, God chastises those whom He loves, the Bible says. And I wonder if God could speak out loud how many times would echo through our lives, If you love me, why don't you do what I say? The Bible says that. If you love me, do what I say. I mean, we blame God, and yet there's... I wonder how many times He, he would love to echo that aloud into our life. If you love me, you do what I say. But the proud don't do what God wants them to do. They do their own thing, church. And this is the problem with pride. The problem with pride, it's filled with flesh. The problem with pride is it takes what doesn't belong to it and it, and it sits where it doesn't belong. 
Remember, Lucifer said, I will take what's not mine, and I will sit in places that I've not been invited. I'm paraphrasing there, but it's exactly what Lucifer said. Why do you think Jesus said, if you want to be first, you have to be last? Why do you think Jesus said that when you come into a house, take the seat at the, at the last or take the least seat so that the, when the one who invited you into his house shows up, he can exalt you to a place of honor? Why do you think Jesus said that if you want to be great in the kingdom, you've got to be least on this earth? If you want to be great, you've got to become a servant. Why do you think he said all that, church? Because God despises pride. Because, because the opposite of what he just said doesn't look anything like Jesus, but everything that he said looks just like Jesus. Jesus became the last And God made him the first. Jesus took the seat at the end of the row so that when the one who invited him showed up, he exalted him to a seat of honor at the heights of heaven right beside the Father. Why do you think Jesus was given a name which was above every name? Because he made himself least right here. God made him the greatest in the kingdom. You and I need to understand that, church. Listen. In the next couple of weeks, like I said, we're going to be talking about humility, but I'm not going to get into that today. But I do want us to understand tonight that Jesus made himself nothing on this earth. And because of it, God made him great in heaven. Because Jesus became a servant, God made him a king. You understand what I'm saying? And the reality is, if you want to be exalted, spiritually speaking... I'm not saying so you can get your name up in life, but if you want to be exalted spiritually, if you want to live above the problems of life, above the turmoils and the trials and the tribulation, if you want to live above the hurts and the habits and the hang-ups, if you want to live above all of the things that the devil brings against you, if you want to have your mind set where it should be, if you want to find yourself seated in heavenly places and higher places than you are right now, if you want to be godly, If you want to be like Christ, church, you must put away pride. You must. You cannot. Because please understand, it's exactly why Jesus said, look, pride can't stand in my presence. I won't bring a prideful person up into my presence. I won't bring their prayers up to my ears. I won't lift them out of their situation. I won't lift them up. Because if I do, then my son's work on the cross is all void. They need to humble themselves before me, cry out to me, say they need me, ask for forgiveness, cry out and admit that they need me. Then I will exalt them. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and then he will lift you up. Please understand that, church. If we want to be seated in heavenly places, we must put away pride. Because the biggest problem with pride is that it doesn't look like Jesus. Please understand pride has no interest in godliness. Pride has no interest in developing the character of Christ in its life. Oh, it'll do some rituals. It'll be like the people of Ezekiel's day who said, Oh, let us gather into the house of the Lord. Hey, are you going to church today? You going to church today? Hey, I think I'll go to church today. And the Bible says, and they come like my people come. And they sit in front of me like my people sit in front of me. And they hear my word like everybody else. But guess what? They don't do it. Because they're proud and stubborn of heart. I'm adding that, but Ezekiel said, God spoke that about those same exact people. They're proud and they're stubborn of heart. They, they hear, but they don't do. And the reality is, we can fall right into that same rut. We can come into the house of God and think we're doing all these religious, righteous things. We honor Him with our lips, but our hearts are far from Him. Why? Because they're filled with pride. 
because they're filled with our own desires. Because, because, listen, the person that can't praise God when they come into the house of God is too busy praising themselves. You understand what I'm saying? If you come into the house of God, and nothing stirs up inside of you, and you can't get a song going, and you can't get a dance going, you're too busy praising your own problems, or your own hurts, or your own habits, or your own, your own, uh, your own gloriousness. Understand? I mean, when we come into the house of God, if we have the right recognition of God, and the right recognition of our self-pride can't exist, and all of a sudden, God is glorified. Listen, when, the first thing that I've got to do when I find myself struggling to get into the Word or struggling to get into praise or struggling to get into the presence of God, the first thing we must do is, God, I'm here to crucify my flesh. Take my flesh. Take my pride. It's trying to get in the way. we got to bury it, church, each and every day. Pride is the mother of all sin, like I said, and I'm starting to bring this to a close. But pride was the cause of Lucifer's fall. It took him from the morning star, the Bible says, to the prince of darkness. It took him from the heights of heaven to the pits of hell. And it'll do the same thing for us. Pride was the cause of Adam and Eve's fall. Who wanted to be like God, just like Lucifer did, church. And it remains the number one cause of every Christian's fall today. Pride proceeds or precedes every fall And it'll make us an outcast. Lucifer became an outcast. Adam and Eve became an outcast. And the proud individual will also become an outcast to God. If we are struggling with sensing the presence of God, if we feel like we're an outcast, now please understand me, we've got to learn to understand the difference. The devil will always try to make you feel like an outcast. The devil will always try to make you feel like God doesn't love you. The devil will always. But you got to be in such a good relationship with God that you can quickly identify that and say, No, that's of the devil. I know that God loves me. I know that he will never leave me. He will never forsake me. He will be my ever-present help in a time of trouble. I know that God is with me. I know that he's a strong tower that I can run into and be safe. And you can say all of those things when you're in right relationship with God. But listen to me. If you got pride hiding in the, the bottoms of your heart, You don't know if it's God speaking or the devil speaking. And that's when you're overcome and that's when you're overtaken. So every day we've got to crucify pride, church, so that we can come into those high places with God. I'm going to close with this. James 4, 13, 16 says, Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city. We will spend a year there and carry on business there and make lots of money Have you forgotten that you don't even know what will happen tomorrow? Have you forgotten what your life is, that you're nothing but a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes the next day? Instead, you ought to say this. If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this and that. If it's the Lord's will, I will go here or I will go there. If it's the Lord's will, I'll date this person. If it's the Lord's will, I'll marry that person. If it's the Lord's will, I'm going to pack up my family and we're going to move across state. If it's the Lord's will, I'm going to open up this business. If it's the Lord's will, I'm I'm, I'm going to go here and I'm going to go there. You understand what I'm saying? If it's the Lord's will. Pride leaves out God. Humility invites God in. 
So the problem with pride is this, as I close. The proud want their will done in heaven, but the humble want God's will done in their life. I'll say it again. The proud want their will done in heaven. They want God to satisfy their desires. They want God to make their will happen. They want their will done in heaven, where the humility, the humble want God's will done in their life. So the question is, what do you want? The question tonight is, do you want your will done in heaven, or do you want God's will done in your life? And if you've got pride in your life, God's will will never be done. It takes a humble heart to say, not my will, but thy will be done. If you want God's will to be done in your life, I want you to stand with me tonight as we pray. And this is what I simply want you to do, church. I want you to offer yourself to God tonight. If that's your prayer, I'm offering myself to you tonight, God. All of us, I believe, all of us, I speak to here first, can struggle with pride. All of us can struggle with this ugly thing called flesh. And the only way we can overcome that is through the power of the Holy Spirit, through His help, through His hand, through His encouragement. So tonight, you lift up your own life before the Lord and ask Him to give you a humble heart so that you can be lifted up into higher places. Amen. Father God, I thank You for Your Word this evening. I thank You, Father God, that um, as You lead us through life, You don't just give us a whole bunch of rules. You don't just preach us a whole bunch of sermons. You don't just point out every single one of our flaws and condemn us and bring guilt upon us. But God, you give us a way out. The Bible tells us that along with every temptation, you provide a way of escape. And tonight, Father God, I know that there is a way of escape from this evil thing called pride. This thing called selfishness, this, this ugly being called me, myself, and I, this, this body of flesh, there is an escape, Lord God, and it's through your Son, Jesus Christ. It's through the power of your Holy Spirit. God, I want us all here tonight to be reminded of the fact that you have already, through Jesus, provided everything we need pertaining to life and righteousness. So I pray tonight, God, that we would open up our hearts and we would open up our lives we would take out this ugly creature called pride and that we would hang him upon the cross. And that we would, from the cross, put him in the grave so that the only thing left visible in our life is Jesus Christ who is raised up within us. So that the new man would be seen and the old man would be in the grave. I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, for the power of your Holy Spirit to be upon your people, God. Let us not be a prideful people. Help us each and every day to offer ourselves to you a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, Father God, so that we might be able to prove that which is good and acceptable and perfect in our lives, and that is Jesus Christ. Help us to be a reflection of your Son and not a reflection of Lucifer. Help us to cultivate the culture of your kingdom in our life and not the culture of this world, so that when someone looks at us, Father, they can see Jesus and not just another copy of this world. Set us apart, I pray, God. Consecrate us. I pray that you would use us for noble purposes as we cleanse ourselves from every ungodly thing in our life and separate ourselves from those things so that we might be a vessel of honor, purified, profitable to the Master, fit and ready for every good work. Thank you, Father God, for your word. 
Thank you for the power to cause it to bear fruit in our lives. Go with us as we leave today and camp about us with your angels, Lord God. Prosper us in all that we do as we bless you and praise you and honor you. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen. As always, can we just bless the Lord, church? That's not to honor me. That's to honor the Lord. And it's letting him know we've received it. Go and be blessed. Walk in humility. If you have a special need, be happy to tarry with you. And we'll agree with you in prayer as touching God. Amen.